Alan Evans, thanks for being here. Yeah, it's good to be here. Well, you are our, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, you're a Monday expert from Can Delta, which is great. Uh, you're also relatively new to Can Delta, which is also great. You come with an, a really interesting background. Uh, you're a you're a lawyer, uh, but also uh, with great experience um, at everybody's favorite LP in Athelville, New Brunswick. Um, Absolutely. So, so I think you have like some really and a chemistry background too. So you you come at it with some really um, interesting experience, much like sort of the rest of the team at Can Delta too. Um, talk a little bit about. Uh, I want to get to know you first, and then we'll get to sort of what we're going to talk about. Talk a little bit about sort of how you got to Can Delta. No, absolutely. So, um, as you mentioned, my my background is in chemistry, and I actually went over to uh, England to study law. I, uh, you know, saw a lot of potential in the chemist industry, so uh, flew back to Canada, um, and uh, you know, ended up over in Athelville, New Brunswick, uh, for one of the large LPs there. I had a great experience there, and ended up working there for just under two years. Um, bouncing around from, you know, research and development uh, over to uh, the compliance side uh, and then kind of landed my uh, spot in operations. And, uh, you know, the beauty with uh, such a, a, you know, very fast, high-paced, uh, you know, uh, industry is that I was able to sort of get a little hand in everything, either from the extraction side uh, to the inventory side to optimize that. Um, obviously, you know, working on the drying side, uh, trying to get that freshness of the cannabis up. Um, Know a little bit of everything, and you know, after two years in Alphaville, or just under two years in Alphaville, uh, I was getting enough of that snow over there, and uh, decided to kind of tail back to Toronto, and uh, was very lucky to land a position with uh, Can Delta, and I've just been learning a ton since to be able to help clients out uh, in any sort of way and form. So, yeah, well, you said under two years. That could be like two decades, really. When you touch all the oh, things that you were touching, uh, oh. <laughs> there, it's like. It's like you, you, it's like trial by fire for sure, but also sort of all that was happening just in the ramp up and, and dialing and operations. Everything's on fire, but uh, you know, some really great teams out there and in, in, you know, campus industry in general, trying to, you know, find ways to the better our cannabis for our uh, clients. So absolutely. And customers. Yeah. yeah. We've had some really interesting conversations over the past week and, and actually next week too, with some, with some LPs that I think have differentiated themselves in entering ways we did broken coast. We have um, Rubicon Organics coming up. So there's some really interesting things happening. Um, I want to talk to you specifically about something that is, that, that's been on the, the radar, I think probably since the end of last year when the Ontario Cannabis Store had their trade days, uh, right. whatever they call it, um, when they said they would have a new category called craft. And I want to dive right. into that because everybody's like, I think retailers are like, great, that's amazing. I think growers are like, great, that's amazing. What does that mean? Like from thinking it's amazing to like actuality, I'd love to sort of have you unpack a little bit of that. Absolutely. I, I definitely think it's important to sort of understand what it means to be craft versus commercial. Uh, as you both know, the OCS has put in the craft designation or is planning to, uh, in a way to help small licensed producers. Um, what that designation will mean, it will apply to licensed producers that are producing less than 10,000 kilograms a year of cannabis and are using, you know, handcrafted uh, processing methods, which... Really what that means is they're hang drying, um, they're going to be uh, you know, packaging by hand and, um, and they'll be trimming by hand. And um, I think what's also really important to note is they've also mentioned that they'll stop carrying products that don't meet certain uh, sales targets, which obviously is going to make a, a huge difference in the quality of both the, the commercial side and the craft side for consumers. Um, what I love with this, it doesn't just help small licensed producers, but it also gives a, an opportunity for uh, 
consumers to, to better understand the cannabis that they're getting uh, and understand the experience that they want at the price point that they want. And it's solely kind of moving into a, a situation where we can go into a, a retail uh, store and have different categories of cannabis uh, based on what you're expecting at a certain price point. You know, when I think of craft versus commercial, I, I wonder, what, what do you think of? Well, I, I've been to some of the commercial, like I would look at them as commercial, like massive rooms, like Absolutely. Cannabis as far as the eye can see, which is really unbelievable to see and, and totally unique and interesting. And when I think, yeah. craft, I think of some of the smaller, they can even be in big facilities, but some of the smaller rooms or something that right. it looks different, it feels different, the trimming is different, the drying is different, like those things yeah. are different. And then I also think of like all these micro cultivators who are getting licenses and how unique that would be to see on shelves in some, you know, something unique. Absolutely. And I mean, you, you kind of really hit the nail on the head. Uh, the, the, obviously, the first thing is with size. But as you mentioned, you know, because of size, it's going to really make differences in, in how we're going to, you know, proceed with operations. Uh, it's going to make a difference in how they market. It's going to make a difference in know their, their goals. Uh, you know, and I think the first thing as we can both agree on is, is supply. Uh, you know, craft growers are going to be limited with the supply of cannabis that they have. So we can appreciate that in, in a way it's going to be unique. It's going to be uh, something that, you know, has a more inherent value because there's less of it. But it also means that they're going to be very focused in a certain area, right? Uh, you know, if you're growing in Ontario as a craft grower, you're going to stay in Ontario. You're not going to try to eat up the entire Canadian market uh, with market share. So we can really appreciate with craft growers is they're going to be very consumer focused in that specific area. Just because cannabis works there for them doesn't mean that that same strain with that same growing technique with that same feel is going to work in BC, right? Uh, versus, you know, a, a you know, commercialized uh, uh, producer uh, their, their focus is, of course, they're focusing on consumers, but they also have other areas of focus, which includes looking at shareholders and looking at investors and how, how am I going to eat up as much of the market share as possible in Canada? Well, they're going to have to look at a blanket strain. They're going to have to look at blanket techniques that work everywhere, but not just Canada, but in other countries as well, right? So that's sort of the first sort of mentality that, that comes with it. And from there, you're going to see actually different kinds of cannabis, right? Um, you know, as, as you kind of touched on is the operation side as well, uh, the craft grow is going to be very unique. It's going to be um, high quality, you know, once, once we get there, obviously there's going to be some craft growers that are going to be higher quality than others, but there's going to be more emphasis on high quality and it's going to be very emphasis on small and innovative batches, right? Uh, reason being is, you know, they, they can really optimize their growing conditions. Um, they don't have that pressure of operations or, um, you know, the investor side, the shareholder side to really push product out in mass scale. That's not their goal. The goal is to kind of have a smaller room, optimize those conditions versus, as you mentioned, those large rooms that, you know, it's going to take more time to really find a way to optimize those conditions. And, and there is inherent quality in cannabis uh, by being able to optimize those growing conditions. Uh, you know, moving into trimming, for example, as, as you, you've touched base, and, you know, the fact that, you know, craft designation, you trimming that beard, is that what you're doing? No, Don't trim that beard. No, but I, I, might... I, I have my kids' little scissors and like I've been to the trim rooms and like when you see it, it's like sometimes the scissors are so small. It's so detailed. It's such detailed work. But that, that is what connoisseurs and what I think a lot of consumers actually want. 
Absolutely. Things like trimming a beard, right? It's going to be a nice little touch up. No, that's, um, no and versus that of like an automated machinery, which obviously with a, you know, a twist, a twister trimmer or one from Mobius trimmer, it's going to not be as delicate as you just mentioned. Um, and that, that means that they're not going to, be able to preserve those trichomes nearly as well. But at the same time, it, uh, a larger, uh, a larger scale producer, it, it, it's not possible for them to be able to hand trim. It's not on a labor perspective. It's not feasible. It's not going to, uh, they're not going to be able to get all their cannabis out at that uh, specific time, right? It, it's same with drying and curing is, you know, if, if I was drying and curing as a, as a large uh, commercial grower, there's only a certain time that I can be doing that in a room before, you know, the next harvest is coming. And by the way, it's 500,000 grams of wet uh harvest so you better make sure that that room's empty to get this in so the the value of really optimizing those rooms uh go up because you have a pressure on the operation side to be moving things along so you know the beauty of craft is you can take that extra time you can make those unique touches and you know if, if it's if the cannabis isn't ready you can be a little more patient with it and you know obviously with plants they're they're living uh the living and breathing and and it's it's, it's tough to sort of you know be sure that will be done in 14 days or 21 days or 28 days uh, versus, you know, more of a pharmaceutical feel that you can be a little more exact with the, with the procedures. And we have to appreciate, uh, you know, commercial uh, LPs and trying to find ways to balance that. Right. And I think the biggest one is storage. I mean, uh, with, with storage, I think we all know that uh, the, the commercialized LPs have kind of bit off more than they can chew and have, you know, pushed out more cannabis than they can sell. And, that's because, you know, with forecasting, we all assume that there'd be uh, way more sales and there'd be you know, a lot more people kind of moving into the legal market. But with that, being able to package cannabis in a way and store it for six to eight to 10 to 12 months in, in storage and in, in conditions that aren't optimized, I, it's really tough to keep that freshness. Not, and I think not that, an apple. No, no. Can, can, I guess an apple you can store a lot easier. Yeah. Right? Well, I, I assume because we get apples all year round and they're delicious all year round. So, yeah, they need to, these guys need to be talking to those guys and figuring out what they're doing. I think apples are much more sturdy and they're bred for that for sure. And maybe we'll get to Absolutely. there is, you know, uh, quality or, or value cannabis that can sit right. well. That's like, I, I don't think we're certainly not there yet. But I wonder if you could, because I think there's, and I want to throw sort of two uh, analogies yeah. at you because I think there's two that, that we commonly think of. One is around, beer we have these micro growers and there is categories at the Ontario can I'm sorry at the LCBO or the beer store and similar with wine like uh, like are there different like is are those the analogous things we're talking about here and like how would you describe it no absolutely I, I mean if we look at something like uh you know Budweiser versus uh you know something from a draft beer like Mill Street uh there's going to be inherent differences and at no point would someone ever say that, well, maybe some people would say that Budweiser is a bad beer, but people love it. It does its, it does its job and it's meant for certain experiences. I can tell you right now that if you have a Budweiser beer now and you have it in a year's time, it's going to be the same. Uh, it's going to be the same experience. If I'm going to go to a party, if it ever happens again with COVID, but uh, you know, I, I, I'll probably get Budweiser. And I'm sorry if anyone is hearing this that uh, isn't into Budweiser, but it, you know, it does the job. You know, my buddy's going to steal it like he always does, but he's been doing this for five years. And it's the right. same versus, you know, a craft one that, you know, they're going to be trying those twists, right? You know, uh, it's going to be in one area like Mill Street. And they're going to be saying, look, we're going to try this blueberry twist uh, with this and this and this. It's never been done before. 
I might love it. I might hate it. But if we're down to go for a beer and we want to try something new, that's the kind of feeling. It's going to cost more, but that's the kind of feeling, right? I mean, when, when you look at Budweiser, they, they get large contracts with suppliers. They're able to source deals for cheaper. Uh, they have, you know, the testing labs that can be in-house to be able to test, uh, you know, beer in-house. They have, they, they, they have a lot more upfront uh, costs uh, that they can pay for in order to make things cheaper in the, in, in later on versus craft that kind of have to rely on smaller deals that are going to cost them more. But obviously that's not their, their goal. Their goal is to make you high quality, but you know, you're going to pay the price. Right. Uh, I think, I think wine is going to be, you know, is a very interesting one because you know, you think of it, you know, Italian wines uh, you know, I'm not a, a wine connoisseur, if that's how you, you know, pronounce it, but Wine, wine is something that you that consumers are educated with, and the fact that you can see the label is going to tell you if it's uh, you know if it's a DOCG or a DOC, or if it's just a table wine. And I, I'm really hoping that you know we move into that with with uh, with cannabis is is being able to have that. And you know you see it with craft right now; they're 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 limiting yields, um, but and they're limiting you know the, the way that the techniques in order to preserve some kind of quality and you know in the end i can imagine commercials co commercial uh, growth will get there i mean if you're harvesting 40 50 uh rooms uh you're, you're going to have a lot of data to work with to you know find that price find that you know consistency and find some sort of quality if we can have it where we you know have a docg which is um you know for italian is, is the highest level of quality and authenticity it's what you want to do if you want to impress somebody mm -hmm. uh and they're looking at yield limits, they're looking at ripeness, they're looking at barrel maturation. And then, you know, there's DOC, which is going to be, you know, a different sort of uh, caliber of, of restrictions. And then you have the classic table wine, which honestly, sometimes you just want table wine. And I'm, you know, there's going to be a point where I hope with cannabis that we're able to see that. And I think it's, you know, starting now with craft, but, you know, at some point, you know, if, if we want something that's going to be, going to a party cannabis versus, you know, one that you really want to appreciate that taste. And, and you know, you know, maybe you need to get a certain terpene amount, you know, certain terpene percentages, or you need to be a moisture percentage. You need to be different factors. Then hopefully that will be what we use to uh, educate the consumers and reward uh, commercial and, um, and uh, you know, craft growers in the fact that they're willing to, to push to get to that quality for us. Yeah, it's really, it's really an exciting thing. Um, I think we've also, of course, the, the, what, what prompts this conversation is what the Ontario Cannabis Store was talking about at the end of 2020. But I also think if you've spent time talking to retailers, they actually know this intuitively because they say you have people come in all the time. That's the value product, all right? The best way yeah. to sell it is like keep them coming back for that and then plop something else that they might be interested in. And they rotate it. We've been at Kay's Pot Shop in East End in Toronto. And this is what she says. There's people come in all the time, buy what they buy for the week. And then want that something special for the weekend, say, right? Like, oh, and so it is this mix awesome. of even within the same consumer that are buying, as you're talking, the Budweiser and buying, you know, the Mill Street, the Mill Street Twist, right? Like, I think there's something to that. And I think retailers know that, consumers know that. It's good to see the Ontario Cannabis Store actually putting a real fine point on and saying we are, we are leveling into this. No, it's really exciting. I, you know, it's a huge appreciation for uh, Bud Tenders and, uh, the knowledge they've gained in the past couple of years, because in the end, they're the ones that they're, they're the, the fronts of uh, of selling this stuff. And they can see the reactions. You know, I, I went to down to uh, 
uh, sales uh, conference one time with uh, you know Xanabis and to be able to sort of talk to those consumers and and uh, be able to better understand what they liked and what they didn't like about our product was you know absolutely really great feedback to have to push you know back up to to us and and definitely something that we should really appreciate bud tenders for because that's going to really push to allow consumers to to get the experience that they want so that's awesome yeah yeah cal this has been really great and i think i could talk about it all day um and, and i and i think there's probably you know there's probably industry implications too where you know because i think all of those things even a huge commercial grower could actually have almost an offshoot or some rooms or a different facility that Absolutely. is craft facility. and i think that's exciting too i think it opens itself up for craft you know proper craft growers to be recognized and actually access markets that may be yeah. just not easy to access now but i but i really think we're this is like the tip of the iceberg of the conversation i really no, you're right time. welcome no, to can delta and your first stop hey at, thank uh, you so much cannabis uh dfc live and we'll connect with you down the road hey i'm looking forward to it thank you for, so much for your time great thanks Kelly. <laughs>